yeah, it's kind of like what the pros compared to stocks. Okay, so yeah, and the key word, the, the first one, um, is is diversification. Mm. Um, that is probably the most um prevalent thing that I, I would say is, is the key thing for funds. You get that immediate diversification as soon as you start putting your money into funds. Mm. Because first and foremost, if you're buying into like the S&P 500, you are getting access or exposure, let me use the right terms again, exposure to, to 500 companies, 500 of the largest companies in America, right? If you was going to go and buy those individually, if you try to do that on, on HL or traditional uh, platform that charges fees, I wish you all the best. <laughs> so, you know, to get that immediate diversification, that exposure, I think funds are amazing for that. Um, and also, if you're going for a mutual fund, remember, you're also getting someone who is much more experienced than you are, mm. um, who act- actively manages the portfolio for you. So that's the that's the main thing I would say. One thing I will, and, and it's less volatile, um, mm. you know, and I think there's also... I'll talk about the fact that it's less volatile because obviously it is an average of um, many different companies. But there's also a misconception that I really want to address. There's a misconception that um, funds, whether it's index funds or mutual funds, um, particularly mutual funds, can't mm. really do that well. You know, you mm. can't really get some really massive returns. Mm. But I will, I will, I disagree with that. I do as well. Yeah. I can bring about some some funds that have outperformed many many different individual stocks. You know, um, and what I would also say is, if I'm really honest with you, Peter, and I'm really, I'm really honest with all our listeners, the majority of people are much better off putting their money into index funds over the long term, rather than trying to stop it. Because even if the active fund managers are struggling to outperform these indices, what makes you think you're going to do better <laughs> than, than, than the index? Now, look, I, I, I want to say that, yes, you can. And I think you, sh- you should consider it. I love that idea of stock picking. I love researching businesses, as everybody knows. Um, but I think um, this is just a personal opinion. One of my favorite strategies that retail investors can adopt is what we call a core satellite approach. It's something that I think is amazing and it can really, really um, kind of help you become a better investor and get better returns over time. What this means, Peter, is you select the core of your portfolio to be in index funds, mm-hmm. right? So if your portfolio, um, let's say you choose 60 to 70% of your portfolio to be in, let's say, a couple funds, right? Mm-hmm. And then the satellite element, so that's a core, the satellite element, then you can choose a few what I call high conviction individual stocks to kind of help out the portfolio in mm. terms of potential higher returns. Because of course you can find a company that can 10 extra money, mm. um, but this won't represent a high proportion of your portfolio. I think it's an amazing um, kind of risk adjusted way of really investing and getting better returns. And, and you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I'm saying don't invest in individual stocks. Mm. I think you can, and you should. Um, especially those companies that you really understand very well to a high level and you've done your due diligence and research on. But I love the idea of having the proportion of your higher proportion of your portfolio in these index funds. Mm. And I think such an interesting uh, statement that you mentioned in terms of just having a higher proportion, whether it's 67%, however you want to allocate your portfolio, but in funds, because the attraction is there in individual stocks. Let's be honest. When we see 
certain uh, businesses fly, we want to put the majority of our money in that just because. <laughs> but I think it's so important that we don't get super excited on that and make sure that we're having a well-diversified portfolio. And on another episode, Jax, it would be good to actually just do a whole episode on how to have a fairly diversified uh, portfolio as well. Yeah. And uh, just going back on your uh, point about the misconception that people think funds are boring and don't do anything. I'm just gonna, of course, this is not a recommendation. This is just yeah. for learning education purposes, but I've just drawn out one uh, fund in particular on Hargreaves Lansdowne, the Bailey Gifford American from the 12th of uh, March, uh, 20, 2020 to the 12th of March, 2021. Yeah. It, Rona made a return of 139%. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, I don't think, Jax, can you just like go into a bit more detail in terms of how phenomenal (laughs) Because I know we've been in cuckoo land and everyone's seeing 100%. But that is absolutely phenomenal. This fund has, what, 45 um, companies um, in their holdings, the top 10 include things like Shopify, Amazon, Wayfair, yep. Tesla. So has loads of different uh, companies all together. But yeah, Jasmine, that's just amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you why. So, um, you know, so this is a mutual fund. Um, and that's why I said, you know, if you do your research, you can find mutual funds that can outperform index funds. Um, but part of your research when you're looking into actively managed funds is to see, for example, what you mentioned. Well, how many holdings are there? Mm. Right? If the, the more the holdings, probably the less you can probably expect to make, mm. if that makes sense, because then concentration is, is have to has to be factored in. So if you're picking 45 companies, it's still a nice, well-diversified portfolio, but you only need a few of them to do really, really well for mm. a return like that, basically. So yeah, it's it's and you, you know you have to give credit to the fund manager, right? Absolutely, the fund manager he's done his thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's done thing. Absolutely, just amazing. And just on that, um, I guess uh, Jax would be go- good to touch on what to look for. Actually, you mentioned the number of holdings. Of course, <clears throat> each holding will not take an equal weighting. And within that um, entire uh, portfolio. So, for example, this uh, Bailey Gifford American, it has 45 companies in its holding. The top holding is Shopify with 6.73%. The next um, is um, Amazon with 5.65%. So, um, yeah. So, um, it depends on um, what the fund manager decides, right? Um, some of these funds tend to follow some rules that really protect us. Um, the retail investor. A very popular one is USITS. Uh, um, well, essentially what it is, is a, um, a, a law of European um, reg- regulatory thing where, for example, let's say one company may not be able to um, make up more than 10% of the whole portfolio. Mm. And that helps us, us out because it reduces the risk um, of, the, of the portfolio. So yeah, a lot of the percentage um, decisions are by the fund manager, but a lot of them are mandated and mm. there is a restriction as to um, how they can invest, basically. And again, all of this information, all of this information will be in a key investor information document. That's it. And uh, one of the reasons why, like, um, different types of funds, even um, exterior trading funds, for example, <clears throat> on uh, uh, non-commission uh, trading apps, is that, let's say I want a bit of exposure to a sector, but I'm not, I don't have strong conviction in one particular company, or I think there's so many companies and I'm not putting my money in all different types of companies and individually, I'll say, listen, 
why not just look for a nice ETF that I can yeah. just leave my money in and it will have exposure to all of them. So for example, this is just an example. Um, at the moment, people are excited about EVs at the moment, but there's so many happening. We don't know what's going to happen with EVs tomorrow in the next five years. Why not just put it in a nice EV ETF? And that's all my thinking. And that's why I'm so excited about funds in general. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's a great thing about especially ETFs because what you find with ETFs is they are a bit more um, niched, if that makes mm. sense. Um, you know, they're a bit more specific. It's not just regions like the S&P 500 or mm. 100. It can be very specific. Um, and you, so, you spoke about EV, one of the companies that, uh, one of the ETFs that I own, by the way, these are not investment recommendations. This is just us being transparent. Mm. Um, is, is, for example, I'm big on I'm clean energy, um, similar to EVs actually, um, but it's a bit different. And I I'll hold the iShares Global Clean Energy because I don't yeah. want to go and buy a whole bunch of energy stocks. Yeah. Um, clean energy stocks, sorry. So yeah, I think one of the biggest cases for ETFs, especially, is that um being able to capture um a segment um without having to try and buy all the individual companies yourself. Absolutely, and I just love it. Love it. I mean, the yeah, the other day I was thinking, I don't um well, it was way longer than the other day. I don't have much exposure to sort of materials and um in terms of a sector. And what did I find? An ETF focusing on that. So I was like, yo, and I don't I didn't want to try and go into one particular pop, but it had like the top, like the biggest uh, materials companies across the world as well. And that's just something I wanted exposure to. So yeah, it's just um, absolutely amazing. And, and that's the thing about most um, ETFs um, or index funds. They are normally um, weighted according to usually the largest. Mm. So it does usually depend from my memory. I think it depends on how the index is even comprised, whether it's a, um, arithmetic or geometric i'm not exactly sure mm. but um you know if 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 uh let's say uh out of the 500 uh apple make five percent of the whole s&p 500 then in the index fund it will make up five percent it won't be oh there's 500 companies so let's just do one percent each or something like that or 100 divided yeah. by five or something like that Absolutely. And let, let's talk a bit more about, um, so right now, I'm, again, I've just got Hargu's uh, Lansdowne, Bailey Gifford, American on my screen. At the top, it says accumulation. Some of them say income for newbies, I guess, especially when they're trying to build their portfolio and looking at, you know, having a few funds in their portfolio. What does that actually mean? Um, so the ACC stands for accumulation and the INC stands for income. These are two different types of share classes. Essentially, what you're doing is both, both funds will be the same. Both um, the INC and the ACC will give exposure to the same fund and the same um, underlying holdings. But essentially, it's the route you take in and the route you take back out. Mm. So if you go for the ACC, it stands for accumulation. It means within that fund, there's going to be some companies that pay, let's say, dividends. So some companies that are in the mature stages of their business cycle tend to pay out some of their profits to shareholders in a form of dividends. Those dividends are, you know, are yours really because you're, um, you're part of that fund. But if you don't need those dividends and you want to grow your, your portfolio, your time horizon is very long term, you would prefer that to be reinvested back into the fund on your behalf. That's when we go for the ACC, the accumulation, to really increase that compounding um, element. If you are somebody who potentially requires the income or someone, let's, let's say someone who's retired or yeah, basically retired and you want the income, then you choose that INC. It just means that the income will be paid out to you into your account. Not, not, not automatically reinvested, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you can essentially get 
funds that pay pay you money dividends um and please do for our listeners check out our investing for income slash dividends episodes um if you haven't done so or you can literally um get funds which don't and don't pay your dividends but reinvest those dividends back into the fund as well so it gives that extra growth exactly exactly i think most people ask me jacks which one's better well the truth mm. is it depends on your time horizon um for a lot for a lot of people where your time horizon is long term the acc is usually usually their go-to brilliant Cool. I think we've gone into quite a bit on um, mutual funds. Um, um, I guess I'm a bit biased towards um, funds in general, Jack. So <laughs> if, if our listeners are, are, are feeling a bit more inclined towards, <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, funds over stocks, then I'm giving you the thumbs up. But on another episode, Jack, we're going to look at it the other way and actually look at the pros for stocks. Um, yeah. Well, not over funds, but the pros for stocks when versus funds, so to speak. So yeah, we can we can do we can do an episode on exactly versus stocks. Yeah, so it's not too um, biased as well. But yeah, <laughs> finally, let's end on. I guess with, with funds in general, I guess one uh, one or two things to actually just look out for um, when looking at which fund to put, you know, your money into. Yeah. So with every investment, you know, my my um, kind of strategy is always to think about your objectives, um, consider your objectives, consider um, your time horizon, which is how long you are um, able and willing to lock your money away for, and then also consider your ability and willingness to take risk. Once you understand these things and once you have these things in mind, you've got to marry those things to what is written in the key investor information document. Because on the key investor information document, you will find um, all this information. You find, for example, the risk level of the, of the fund generally between, let's say, one and seven, for example. Mm. And the, the, the objectives of the fund should match your objectives. If the objective of the fund is to maximize returns over five years, which is usually the case, and your objective is to try and double your money in, in two weeks, then your money doesn't make sense to be in that fund. Mm. Um, so that's what you need to do first. Really consider things um, about your objectives and that kind of stuff and match it up to the fund. I would say when it comes to funds, really and truly, the main um, thing you will probably look for to see which fund is better than another is not so much the past returns. As you know, generally speaking, we say past returns are not a guide of future returns or a guarantee mm. of future returns. It usually comes down to the fees, Peter. Mm. Fees matter. Fees matter a lot. Um, and if there was one thing I had to um, decide on as to whether I go for fund A or fund B, if they're both going for the same things, I would look at the fees. Hmm. I'll make sure because the fees do add up and they are, they are compounded over time as well. That's one of the things we mentioned on a previous episode, common mistakes investors make, which is overlooking the actual fee. So Jack, just as a reminder, what's, in your opinion, what's an expensive fee? And and let's break that down into numbers because as I said on that episode, you know, you can see something like one point something percent. And in the grand scheme of, well, you know, from just looking at it, that might seem small, but over time, we know it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, fees fees are usually between zero and two percent, um, or something like that. Yeah, so that's the standard. Mm. Um, it's kind of difficult to say exactly what's a low fee and what's a what's a, a, a big fee. I would say generally anything above a percent is quite large. Mm. Um, but a lot of it is relative. A lot of it is relative. Um, because fees tend to be relative to even the strategy of the fund 
So um, if we're talking just purely on a mutual fund, a fund that's going to focus on, let's say, I don't know, global, I don't know, let's say UK equities or something, mm. that might charge you less than a fee, than, than a fund that's going to focus on robotics and artificial intelligence. Of course, yeah. Right? So um, the fees will be different depending. So a lot of the things, in investing generally, a lot of it is trying to compare apples to apples. Mm. Um, so com- and oranges to oranges. So compare similar types of funds and compare their fees relative, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you find that index funds are usually quite cheap. They usually range between zero and let's say 0.3%. Um, I would say if you're going for like a fund like an S and P five hundred, a typical index like that, um, then you want something even less than zero point one percent. So you can get something like zero point zero five, not let's say zero point zero six, zero point zero eight, zero point zero nine. Anything less than zero point one is quite okay, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, but as I say, it, check funds against each other. That's the most important thing. Um, and if the, if the fund is charging anything above a percent, it's got to be one damn good fund. Uh, okay thank you very much john listen man that's been a lot of value um and i don't know you know what jacks i think hmm, one day some maybe some of our um listeners might just say i don't know a financial advisor one day or whatever and just realize wait They've heard a lot of what they're discussing some of these episodes, you know, for free, and they can for just free. play it over and over again. But Jacks, man, this is what we do, man. This is what we do, and we just want to appreciate you and even our listeners because it's because of you, whilst we keep doing what we're doing as well. So, um, if you haven't done so, man, as we always say, make sure you just have a think about who you can share this with, whether it's a friend, a spouse whoever even online you never know who's watching your posts and stuff so when you do that you add value to someone else's life you of course help us but you're more importantly adding value to someone else's life across the world so please please do do that and support us in any way you can as well man yeah yeah totally agree yeah as i say you know most people know i run um you know an education business and what i'm doing on work finance i'm giving you a lot a lot free so please do um show your appreciation by sharing this with someone so many people can benefit from this kind of knowledge. This is stuff that we were not taught in school. We wish we had these conversations at the dinner table. Me and Peter, we have known each other for a very long time. And we wish we had these conversations when we were very young. Mm. So if you have any young people as well, you know, don't matter what age they are, that really want to learn about financial education and stay woke when it comes to personal finance, please send them um, to us uh, through email, um, info at walkfinance.co.uk, send them the podcast, and yeah, let's just, um, as a team, work together to become much more financially educated and to stay woke when it comes to personal finance. That's it, man. That's it. Couldn't have said it any better, man. Thanks for that, man. So yeah, thanks for talking about everything to do with uh, funds and I guess a uh, reminder that we should be focusing on buying the haystack and not the needle. <laughs> I, love that. I love that phrase. If you say this phrase... <laughs> I just wanted to get out on this episode as well. I know, I know. (laughs) Nice one, bro. Until the next time, until all our listeners, remember, stay woke.